Now I know what it means to be free. For the spirit Thank you for listening to episode two of the Unfortunately Honest podcast. Uh, this episode was inspired uh, really the last in the last two weeks. Um, Black Panther recently came out on DVD, and so it got me thinking about when it was released in February of this year, what was happening around that time, and the trip that I took shortly after it. So here we go. On February 16th, 2018, Black Panther took the world by storm in all of its melanin glory. It shattered records. It started viral video trends. Overall, it just allowed for a black ass celebration of representation that goes far beyond just being another superhero movie. Uh, Black Panther was legit an event. It was something that we probably won't fully understand the impact of for at least uh, another decade. And like any card-carrying member of the black delegation i was there twice during opening weekend in my black panther t-shirt waiting to see t'challa fight for wakanda i I left the theater with a a few critiques not anything that deep Uh, but overall i felt joyful that we were able to be shown in a light that i knew would have had the 10 year old version of me ready to jump around my grandmother's house jump off her balcony yelling i'm black panther or maybe eric killmonger but you know that's another conversation we can leave it at that Um, Five days after its release, I found myself on a plane taking my first trip to the continent of Africa to the country of Nigeria. Nigeria was a place I had heard a lot of stories about, but I wasn't really sure what to expect. And so I think it's important to point out that since taking this trip, I've been asked tons of times, you know, what it was like. And I've genuinely struggled to find the words to describe what I saw and, and what I felt. You know, whether it was with friends at a brunch or at my brother's suit fitting for his wedding in New York, uh, there's not been a time that any retelling of the events or the experience has felt completely right to me. In college, I I minored in Africana studies. So, you know, sometimes I, I think of myself as a nerdy but cool history buff when it comes to the diaspora of black and brown cultures. You know, I can recall the stories of my heroes like Malcolm X or Paul Robeson talking about their voyages to the motherland and and what it did for their consciousness and for their soul. Now, being a realist, I 100 percent had no expectation that a magical transformation would occur just because I stepped onto the continent of Africa. But I'd be lying if I said that I didn't expect to feel anything. So what did I see? What did I feel? Uh, Upon first landing, I spent my first day in Lagos. And after settling in, I was taken to what reminded me of like a soul food joint in Harlem. And I was served the best agusi soup that I would have never known to ask for. It was it was amazing. Uh, I watched as evening turned to dusk. And the pace of the city never changed. There was always activity. There was always movement. There was always something going on, like a lot of cities in the world. The next day, we left for Awiri, which is the capital of Emo State and the heart of Ebo land. What did I see? What did I hear? What did I feel? Over the course of the next 10 days, I saw us, man. I, I saw black people. I attended the 70th birthday party of a beautiful woman who walked with a level of grace and poise 
that I didn't even think was possible. It seemed like the entire world kind of got quiet around her. I, I saw women making food with the same love and joy that I've witnessed from my own mother and, and grandmother when cooking for their family. I saw chiefs and elders being treated with the utmost respect, being listened to. I, I listened and heard and watched greetings exchanged in Igbo, a beautiful language that I, I literally couldn't be further from understanding, but it sounds beautiful. I saw children occupy a place on the spectrum of consciousness that you don't really see that often in the United States. They traversed this line of, of being a child, but at the same time, being able to conduct themselves with, the, with a frightening level of awareness similar to an adult. Even at the age of four or five, it, it was amazing to watch at times. So I watched us dance. I watched us sing. I watched us hoot, holler. I watched us embrace. I watched us do what black people have been doing for centuries everywhere that, that we are. Both at the party that I previously mentioned and later at a club in Oweri where the same level of excitement, the same movements could have been transposed over a brunch in D.C., Brooklyn, Detroit, or Atlanta when Swag Surf or Bodak Yellow comes on. Any place where we congregate, there's a vibrancy to our culture, to our people, to people from our ancestry. And I use the word ancestry on purpose. I attended a Catholic church service and I sat amongst a sea of beautiful black people wearing traditional garbs, switching between English and Igbo so fluidly, located in the heart of Igbo land, literally in the blackest place I have ever been to in my entire life. And I look up on the wall and I see the whitest picture of Jesus I've ever seen staring at me in both of my eye sockets for everyone to see. I'll, I'll be 100. I'll be honest. In that moment, I felt a, a, a streak of confusion, of irritation, of anger, and not at the effects of religion, but at the effects of colonization. I later went to see Black Panther for a third time while in Nigeria. I listened and I watched intensely, not to the movie, since I'd already seen it twice, but to the audience. I waited to see what responses this movie evoked from this very African, very Nigerian audience. Viewers snickered mildly at the bad accents. Shout out to Forrest Whitaker. Women swooned at a shirtless Michael B. Jordan. Everyone loved, like I mean legit, loved M'Baku. And in the end, they all cheered for the Black Panther. Now, I, I could tell that the audience liked the movie. They genuinely enjoyed it. But I could also see that it was very obvious that the movie didn't impact them the same way that it did for so many black people in America. And so I started to ask why, started to have conversations, started to ask more questions while I was on this trip. And I continued to ask why. I sat one day and watched a man with no type of training take apart a six foot tall power generator and put it all back together again. And when I was talking to him, I asked him, how did he learn to do this? And he looked at me and just very simply said, I, I just did it. I talked with a young lady who was majoring in computer science, but her school and her class didn't use computers. They just learned from books. Everywhere I looked, I saw and met people making something, repairing something, working on something, hustling, reusing, rethinking, reshaping, everything around them in order to survive and oftentimes doing it without 
any power for hours at a time. Shout out to NEPA. So what does this all mean? I, I think there's a lot of answers that I, I could give that would make this podcast incredibly long. So I'll say this. For the first time in my life, I went to a place where I didn't have to think about my blackness. The cops, the cashiers, the owners, the bouncers, the clergy, the cooks, the soldiers, you should probably get it by now. Everyone was black and was able to focus on a million other things that didn't have to do with being black. If you come from a place like that and are able to survive and thrive while seeing black people make something out of nothing every single day, maybe a movie like Black Panther is cool and all, but it, it doesn't move you because you already understand that that reality is more than possible. Overall, my time in Nigeria affirmed for me something that I had deeply suspected and always believed, that regardless of time, of distance, or the extraordinary circumstances we find ourselves in, we are infinitely more bound and connected by what makes us the same than we are divided by what makes us different. It's possible for something that's foreign to still be familiar and for those two ideas to share the same space. Thank you for listening to episode two of the Unfortunately Honest podcast. I know this episode went over the seven minute mark, but you know, uh, fight me. Thank you again. Until next time.